Welcome to Collector's Corner, the premier digital art platform. We help collectors gain and maintain their edge, all while appreciating beautiful art. Let's jump in. Let's kick this off. Thanks for dropping into the discords. Uh, just wanted to say off the bat, uh, really thank you so much, G and Danny, for taking the time to chat with us in our community and the broader gen art community. Uh, this is going to be recorded. We'll put it out on our podcast and YouTube as well. Link it to our sub stack because, well, one, we appreciate you knowing how busy you are. And two, this is just such a cool topic that I've been wanting to dive into for a while. I know Jared has as well. Um, we both have uh, multiple iterations of the uh, of the nine DCC works. Uh, I, I no joke, G. I wear the hat all the time. It's it's like my favorite hat now. It just it fits extremely well. Uh, I'm awesome. a big fan too. I, I'm I'm so happy to hear that. That makes me so happy. Yeah, man. No, it's it's really good. And and Danny, I know you're like really pioneering with some of the coolest stuff I've seen out there with digital fashion and applying generative art. So really appreciate you being here and excited to to dive into it and i thought maybe super quickly uh, you could each tell us about your background and how you decided to start companies combining web3 and fashion and i guess kind of your background related to fashion maybe you could go first g and, and then danny um yeah so you know, I, I came into the space uh, originally as a collector. Um, you know, I think fashion was something that always interests me, especially when I first started my NFT journey. I just kind of felt like uh, the world just wasn't quite there yet uh, of maybe not necessarily hanging out in the metaverse at, at that point in time. So why would you necessarily need clothes for the metaverse? So I decided that um, I would take my time I ended up doing a collaboration with Adidas in December of 2021. And it was at that point that I really like turned to my team afterwards. And I was like, okay, like now, now is the time. Like, let's, you know, let's build the stuff out there that um, I want to see that, you know, wasn't necessarily in existence at that time. And, you know, I wanted to solve mostly for three, three things, right? One was I wanted to create an aesthetic that I wanted to wear. Um, which was number one. Number two is, you know, I wanted to kind of see, you know, now that we have uh, these 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 products shipped, um, you know, we have verifiable scarcity, right? How many of them actually exist? And then three, and I think this is, has been kind of the most fun uh, that, you know, has been a little bit of surprise was, you know, once you have the, that product out there, how do you then start to gamify that experience of what it's like, right? And how do you start to, to build community in the real world, utilizing uh, Web3 tech and, and bringing it out? Yeah, I mean, those are all fascinating questions for sure. And I, I think Danny might've gotten rugged here uh, briefly. And uh, it's, that, yeah, uh, it's that Tokyo jet lag, man. It's catching up on all fronts. Yeah, there, there she is. Just briefly. Hey, Danny. Hey, Sam. I, um, I did, I did indeed, but I'm back. Uh, yeah, so we, we just wanted to hear from you as well uh, what 
your background was and why you decided to start a company combining Web3 and fashion. So I think in a similar way to G, and I think this is, you know, one of my favorite things about the space is you have a lot of people approaching things from more non-traditional or interdisciplinary angles. So I didn't begin in fashion. I actually began in fintech and then I was in the wider innovation space. And, you know, back in 2017, 2018, I was one of the founding team members of a company actually lending to financially underserved populations in emerging markets using blockchain. So was never working in the fashion industry, but was working in the emerging tech industry and have always been incredibly passionate about fashion. You know, anyone who's met me in person has seen the way that I've dressed and I've always dressed like this and people have always thought I worked in the industry. And I think that I've always seen fashion very much as, I would say, an underappreciated art form because I think unlike a lot of other art forms, it can be relatively simplistic. You know, a classic white t-shirt, that's also fashion stuff that Virgil created that's you know most definitely fashion as well as those more avant-garde or haute couture pieces so I think that's something that I've always found very interesting about the space is the dichotomy and what can be considered luxury and then it was 2020 when I originally started with a blog called this outfit does not exist and essentially read an article in Fast Company where the CMO of Gucci said we're going to start designing clothes to be worn digitally. And at that point, we'd seen a couple of fashion collabs. We'd seen like Moschino and The Sims. We'd seen League of Legends, do some stuff with Louis Vuitton. But nobody was really creating or selling digital fashion to be worn on human beings. And, you know, my whole job at the time was going into large corporates and saying, here's how emerging tech is going to influence your future, how it's going to change your industry, here's how you should respond. And I just read this and I was like, this is the most obvious future for fashion. You know, we have a colossal sustainability imperative here. Fashion produces more pollution than the maritime and airline industries combined. We have a whole digitally native generation who are dressing for social media. And I was shocked that there was not only nobody really creating these clothes, but there was no one writing about it. There was nothing in Bloomberg or Wired And there was nobody wearing it online. There was no Instagram account focusing on digital fashion. So originally I started this outfit does not exist as a side hustle to just basically say, this is going to be the future of the industry. I'm going to write about it and I'm going to wear, you know, the two or three companies who, you know, at the time had created like one or two items of clothing and just basically show people that this is going to be the future. And then that blossomed into building drop and I think really for me building drop was about creating the type of clothes that I wanted to see so for me it's not good enough to just have you know digital fashion that looks cool but doesn't really have emotion or craft behind it for me what really elevates something into luxury into haute couture is the mixture between the narrative it conveys but also the craft behind it and I felt like craft and understanding of craft was really lacking in our space and so I made the decision to build a platform which is essentially trying to counter that and really challenge the conception that just because something is scalable in the way that digital goods are or that it can be automated it's not actually emotional and craft-based. Man this is 
my brain goes in a million different directions because similar to to you, Danny, I I've always uh, you know, when I'm lounging around the house, I'm, I'm comfy, but when I'm out, you know, I'm either in a three piece suit or wearing, you know, I'll call it nicer clothes. And I guess my brain initially goes to, to this, which is the integration of digital clothing, especially, or digital wearables, especially on the blockchain provides something that's very intriguing to me, uh, specifically, being uh, more of a, a sneakerhead in my private life, you know, just the the authenticity um, of a product, and then also the verifiable rarity is, is something that's really, and the possession of ownership is something that's very very fascinating to me in the the digital wearable space. The question to to both of you would be, what role do you see in in blockchain for the the digital wearable space and and what do you hope to see in the coming future for for some of these products? Well, I mean, I think some of the lowest hanging fruit of how you can utilize blockchain tech is a certificate of authenticity, right? Um, I think we see how important certificates certificates of authenticity are uh, when you look at luxury watches right so if you were to buy a rolex without any paperwork then um that rolex would be significantly less uh than if you were to buy one with paperwork and i think that that is like to me the lowest hanging fruit of uh if i was a uh, a luxury brand of any sort in any industry i think being able to tie this uh proof of authenticity to a physical product to me is like absolutely the lowest hanging fruit. And then I think there's, then there starts to become other, other ways to implement it. Right. I think, uh, the way Danny's working on it, the way I've been working on it with, with the POAPs and the community building, I think at that point it starts to become of, uh, a, an exercise of whoever, whoever's working on this, their imagination. Right. And I think that that's what we're probably going to see, a big blossom of over the next few years and that to me is what gets me the most excited i think kind of you know to build on that i think what i've always been really excited about and this is around digital fashion i think it's also around the blockchain especially is the way that technology can be integrated to tell a better story with a via a creative piece and you know, let's say take 90cc as an example, which I'm sure G will go into in much more depth in a second, but the experience that he produced by allowing people to leverage the squiggle algorithm and create these t-shirts, which were both completely unique to their wearer, but also aligned with a, with a whole wider group because of the fact that they all were came from a shared algorithm, I think is absolutely fascinating. We've seen this transition towards personalization in the fashion industry for quite a while, because I think with this increased automation and supply chain and this proliferation of various luxury goods, people are like, okay, what makes my thing special? But at the same time, brand exists for a reason. You know, we're human beings. We want to align with communities and with other people. And so to have and this brings us into generative, but generative digital fashion or products being used 
in a way that taps on both of these things, I think is fascinating. And obviously by having them on chain, you have the ability to record immutably your affiliation with that, pro- with that project. And then I think one of the things that can be incredibly interesting around that is then to further look at how you segment. So I think a great example of this is, you know, PFP projects like Moonbirds. Like, you know, if you have a specific trait sequence, you can have specific benefits. Or if you've nested and therefore demonstrated your loyalty, again, or recorded on chain, you can have specific benefits as a as a holder. And I think what we're going to see very soon is these qualities then bleeding into the digital fashion space where, you know, let's say you have a 90C t-shirt and you minted a hyperslinky in the 90cc format maybe you're going to get something special or for the quantity of time that you've worn it or the amount of times that you've worn it and you know in a similar way with drop maybe if you have a full coverage moire print within our nicholas sassoon collaboration you have specific privileges or maybe if you have a full set of our clothing that could morph into something different entirely so obviously you know with certain qualities that I've mentioned, they don't necessarily have to be on the blockchain. You know, you could have, you could still have a full set of generative Moira and it could not be blockchain backed, but the ability to take things and conceptions one step further by having these on blockchain and having them as an NFT, I think is really exciting as the space evolves. Yeah, that's a great point. And, you know, it's, it's far easier to verify that somebody owns the full set or, you know, even a specific item on the blockchain compared to prior ways of doing it. And I think you make a great point. And as I'm looking in the crowd, like I see one of our friends here, Toth, who has a Moonbird, and he has one of the special backgrounds, which I'm pretty sure indicates he also has a proof pass. And so this is already happening. And it's just so cool to see both of you leaning into the technology in, in really unique ways. Right, with uh, Danny focusing on digital and G focusing on the physical. But one thing that you both talked about is the the shared, like the community aspect, right? Where you have, you know, folks who are like you, self-identified to be like you because they're, you know, wearing the 90cc uh, hat or they have a scene on screen piece in their wallet and eventually on their avatar. And G, I know that this is something, you know, I've never told you this, but I am very intrigued by the power of NFTs to build communities and to help really organize people, um, often around a mission, but if not, just around a, a shared interest. And you've done a really fantastic job of doing this. And I, I'm just wondering if you could speak to how you have thought about and really crafted the community element into your products and uh, you know what are the next steps of that for you you know where do you want to take it now having learned what you've learned uh, and danny i'd love to hear your thoughts on that as well um, but maybe g if we could start with you because uh i've seen it up close you know people tapping the back of my head to get the po app off my hat and things like that which is awesome uh but yeah it's just like how have you thought about this and, and where do you want to take it yeah, so that's a great question. Uh, I've thought a lot about it. Um, I think uh, I'm, I try to be very intentional with the decisions that I make and um, the process that we go through. So 
most of the time there, you know, anytime we make an announcement or a decision, there's been, you know, hours of thought and conversation that goes behind that. And to be perfectly honest, I think we're like right at the beginning of it, right? I think, um, you know, just the whole, the community building side of things that we've been doing with the POOPs, you know, I think from day one, even with Admit One, I have not been focused on the fi financialization aspect. I've been focused on the gamification aspect. And I think that that's a key differentiator right, is when, uh, and I think this has been a mistake that a lot of us in the crypto space have made over the last few years, is we've confused gamification with financialization um, and the other way around is because I think the second you financialize things, everyone becomes a mercenary and there's no real brand affinity that's built and there's no real sense of community, right? And like, listen, I'm a member of a ton of communities and I see, you know, what a lot of these discords and telegram conversations are. And a lot of times the conversation is usually around price talk, right? It was like, what, you know, where is the price of the floor? Why is it up? Why is it down? You know, what is going to be done for it? You know, and all these things. And one of the things that I've prided myself on uh, for our community is that it we like almost rarely talk about price because the price isn't the focus. The focus is on building a solid core and a solid foundation that we can then build a massive community on. And I think we're starting to kind of see the beginning of that play out uh, in the sense of, you know, we have, I feel like we've built a really solid framework um, in the network points, um, in the network points that, that we've gone out there with. And now we can start plugging in, you know, whether it would be, uh, the Twitter affiliate badges or, uh, giving people subdomains and all of these things to kind of incentivize the behavior that we think, uh, helps not just our brand, but the ecosystem, uh, that we're building and, and helps community members. So I think we're just starting to see the beginnings of that. And like really, really early on, right? And uh, that to me is what, what I'm most excited to be building over the next few months uh, is like how do we take this, these, this foundation that we've started to build and really start to put it into overdrive. Um, Danny, did you have anything to add to that by any chance? So I think what's really interesting um, around kind of all of that First of all, gee, I absolutely love this idea that the idea of financializing something makes people into mercenaries. And I think we've seen a very interesting shift in the market, let's say over the past month or two months, when you know meme coins are what NFTs were in terms of an entire shift of speculators. So we have a way smaller audience than we may have had a year ago or even three or four months ago, but it is actually an audience of collectors increasingly. You're not buying these goods necessarily to just flip and make money or now investing in something which, let's say, aligns with you or you actually believe fits your definition of utility. And you know, for me, utility can just be owning something beautiful from somebody that you respect. And I think in terms of the way that you know, I see it and one of the biggest challenges for us is that we are presenting really as a digital first fashion brand. And the way that we work is 
we have this thesis that code is the control. So if you look at what traditionally has been an issue with, let's say, the mainstream conception of digital fashion brands, it's this idea that because the work that we create is automated and it's scalable and it's accessible, that actually stands in direct conflict with what has given fashion its value for centuries, essentially, which is this idea that instead of being something automated, it's artisanal. Instead of something being scalable, it's actually based on skill. And instead of the idea of something being accessible, it's exclusive. And my goal is to really show that you can marry those two values and that digital fashion does not have to be a $10 skin. It can be a piece for you know, thousands of dollars that actually rivals couture because it's something artisanal and special that you want to create and you want to possess. And the way that we do that is we have our own generative systems. So, you know, in a very similar way to what G did with Squiggles, we can both work with and do work with various artists. And, you know, from a single seed, we can create a whole collection. But we also work in a way where each collection has its own digital fashion native traits. So not only stuff like the colors, the colorways or the pattern, which, you know, you could hypothetically have on a physical piece, but also things like the cut or the material. So in this Nicholas Sassoon collection, it was traits to do with folds, which manifested very differently on hats than pants. That's all what defines this, this digital control for us. However, being digital first essentially means that each artist that we work with and each collection that we drop is with a different artist. We really want it to be an extension of their craft. So with Nicholas Sassoon, we just did, you know, purely digital fashion. With another artist, if physical was important to them, we could create physicals. But we're never saying that we are a physical fashion company. This is very much like sedentary for us. And I think, you know, exactly as G said when he was talking about the fact that he's always recognized that we were super early for digital fashion. We still are super early. And by that, I mean that there aren't a ton of places to actually wear your clothes if you consider wearing being like putting on a body, your body or the body of an avatar yet. So I still think we face this challenge where people position utility to a degree as being able to wear a digital piece of clothing in the same way you're wearing a physical. And I think, and I hope we're going to see a shift in that conception. You know, for me, somebody having a Moonbirds with a proof background, it's, it's wearing it. PFP is fashion, but we're still facing that shift in conceptions. And so between now and this point where either there's a virtual space that allows digital fashion in, all people's conceptions of wearing changes, I think we're going to face an uphill battle for quite a while in creating goods that we are really saying this is digital first and the value is in the digital just as much, if not more, than it would be in a physical counterpart that was created. Yeah, Danny, I have to say, like, just listening to you, my my heart skips a beat because you're hitting on some amazing points that I think are very dynamic for the space and, and very forward thinking. I had a, a ton of questions that popped up. So please bear with me as I try to uh, aggregate them in a fashion that makes sense. But one of the things that I 
before I get to the core question I really wanted to is being more digital fashion forward. Uh, and by the way, both of you guys collaborated with two of my favorite artists between Nick Sassoon and Snowfro. But, you know, thinking of a digital forward space specifically, I'm really fascinated with not only trying to mimic, I'll call it um, real world materials, but how have you and the artists envisioned, I'll call it uh digitally forward or very progressive fashion that that may not even be capable of being fabricated in the real world and and being able to integrate those into a space where you know people will really lean into that as as either super rare or 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 maybe even more common i'm I'm really interested to see how you think about the the digital space and, and the the frontier ahead of us so to speak I'm happy to go. I think it's a really, I think it's a really interesting question. I think, you know, Derek Edwards a while ago on an episode of Proof discussed this idea of founders having to be dungeon masters. And I think as all of us understand, nowhere is this more true than in crypto. Um, I've been telling people what digital fashion is and explaining why it's valuable for close to three years now. And I recognize I'm going to be having to do the exact same thing with, you know, generative digital fashion or the reasons that code is the couture and now that I have a product really justifying what value means. And I think especially given where we are in the market, I think as much, you know, for me, as much as making sales is important, it's also saying what is the mission we're trying to convey as a brand. So as the world catches up, be it the generative art or NFT community or be it the wider fashion space, they understand that we are the pioneers or have hopefully positioned ourselves like this. And I think, you know, it's very interesting because I think the way that I've seen it is that people in gen art are going to understand what we do sooner than people in fashion. And the reason for that is that fashion is all about social signaling. So whether it's waking up with a certain confidence because you've dressed in something and nobody else understands what it is, or, you know, wearing a 90cc shirt and knowing that people understand what you're about and your values just through that branding. Those are crucial elements. And, you know, over my time in digital fashion, like I have a community of, let's say, around 15,000 people, and I've been in various fashion magazines and, you know, Vogue or whatever. And fashion people might be interested in the work that I do. But that's not then going to convert at this point to them saying, okay, I have $2,000. Instead of buying a Chanel bag, I'm going to buy an item from Drop because it doesn't convey the same social signaling value to them. What the NFT space did that was very interesting is anybody who's a digital art collector, and you know, I say this myself with the, the objects that I've collected, you're putting your stuff on gallery, you're putting your stuff on your Twitter, And that has immense social signaling value to you, you know, being part of, let's say, the Bright Moments community or being an art blocks collector or having a squiggle. That means a lot. It's essentially fashion. It's the exact same thing. It's you essentially wearing something, but you're wearing it on your social media profile if wearing is attaching something to a social signaling device for you. And so for me, I think you have a group that understands the value of digital assets already and uses them to socially signal, and that is people in games and it's NFT collectors. And you also have to make sure the fashion industry kind of does understand and is watching what you do. 
but being cognizant that they aren't your buyers right now. I think, and I, I don't know how G feels about this, but like, I really think that the existing high fashion community, let's say people who are like 30 or 40 years old, it's going to take a while for them to actually understand what we do. And I actually think it may never happen. Like, I don't think what our aim is, is to convert the kind of haute couture buyers of you know this age and this year to buying our, our digital fashion. But what I do think we're going to see is we're going to see this advancement where kids growing up who are currently spending 10, 20, $100 in Roblox are going to start coming into their own purchasing power and then they are going to be our audience because they already have digital goods, they already have digital identities and those are going to proliferate as they reach adulthood. And so it's just a little bit of a waiting game in terms of that. Um, but we have an audience right now who will slowly become acclimatized to what digital fashion is. Gee, I don't know what your thoughts on that are. Yeah, I mean, I, I tend to agree with your comments on that. I would say um, probably, I would say uh, it's a slightly older demographic that I would say wouldn't buy it. I, I feel like people in their 30s to 40s probably are young enough to adapt with the times. They probably won't be a a early adopter, more of a late cycle adopter. But uh, from my conversations and I've had, I feel like it's generally uh, people that are older uh, than millennials for the most part. Um, but I feel like millennials and younger, uh, it just probably just varying lengths of adoption over time. But I tend to agree with you. I think at some point in time, when um, the kids that are playing Roblox, Minecraft, Fortnite start having purchasing power, they're, I mean, that was my thesis for, for NFTs, right? That was, that was literally my initial thesis for NFTs, right? That 12-year-old kid that is spending their entire allowance on skins in Fortnite, which is fashion, right? It is uh, a way that they are representing themselves in a social environment. At some point, they will have their own job. They will have their own income, their way to um, spend that money. Nobody, nobody will be tell them what they can and can't buy. And they're going to be totally okay with owning a purely digital asset, right? And that was my thesis on NFTs to begin with, to start. And I, I think as we move on to the next, uh, the next evolution of the space and the next cycle, I firmly believe that, you know, along with pretty much every other industry that's about to be disrupted by this technology. I think fashion is, is going to be one of the, the main ones to, to really start seeing this reverberate uh, over the next you know, few decades. And I'm, I'm in 100% alignment, G. I had almost the same epiphany about collecting and digitally native individuals and trying to see around the corner of the future. I think, Danny, you hit on a really interesting point um, about that identity. And I guess my question for both of you, and one of you can hop in, uh, whoever's first, but you both have connected with generative artists and at Collector's Corner, you know, one of the primary focuses here is obviously generative art. I guess my question ultimately is, why gen art? And then what, I have some theses on this, but like, why gen art? And then what value do you see in, in being able to tap into that, uh, that inherently natively digital community that is that exists within general. So I'm happy to jump in here. I think, you know, why Jenna actually from a fashion perspective, 
is quite simply because, you know, we are trying to sculpt the next generation of couture. And couture is based around two principles. It's based around the principle of having an item with immense craft. And it's based around this idea of having an item that is completely unique to you, but also part of a wider brand. And for me, what was so exciting about generative systems is they just seemed like the natural continuation of couture. You know, when you get a generative output, especially when it's a beautiful one, there is immense craft in the algorithm. And, you know, I was talking about this with Alexis Andre yesterday, like, you know, the effort it takes to create something that is generative and beautiful, everything from creating the code to creating the parameters and the idea of this randomness and that, you know, the worst output still needs to be, you know, stunning. There is so much talent and craft in this. And I think what I really appreciate about the gen art space, it's a group of people who are really excited about and understand that. So for me, that was the craft bit. And then of course, every single collector gets something unique to them but tie together with a shared algorithmic thread. So I think that was, you know, for me, why it was so obvious that our pieces needed to be generative. And then I think the reason why the generative community is so exciting to me, and, you know, I've touched, I touched on this in the last thing I said, but I think what, you know, a couple of years ago when I started hanging out with Artblocks collectors and, you know, the Bright Moments community who I've been around quite a lot, what I really loved was, Yes, obviously there are flippers in all of these communities, but it was this group of people who really understood what digital culture meant and had found alignment for them within it. You know, I've heard people regularly, and Collector's Corner is obviously a key example of this, but talk about their generative and their digital art with the same focus as my friends who work at Christie's or Sotheby's do about their physical art. So it was a group of people who weren't just in this for the speculative value or to make a quick buck, but had really found the passion and were really analyzing these pieces and the way people analyze traditional art and the way that I analyze fashion. And so I think that was very aligned. And then I think the final question more about, you know, the wider digital community. It's not to say that I will never collaborate with a physical fashion brand. You know, I, I have no idea, you know, what the future holds. But for me, what was very exciting about the NFT space was that the artists that have in general come to become successful and the brands and, you know, I see, you know, board apes and punks as brands became successful because they were digitally native. You know, when board apes, you know, went to Christie's and there were suits on the apes across the entire internet, they were successful because they were representative of the digitally native zeitgeist. And that digitally native zeitgeist and that digitally native era is the era that we are in and we are delving further into every day. And so, you know, in the similar way to streetwear, where at the beginning, luxury brands looked down on these creators and then realized that they attracted an entirely new demographic and now, you know, begging to collaborate. I think we're going to see the exact same with, and I mean, we already are actually, but like, I've always said we're going to see the exact same with digitally native communities. These are not a group of people who are attracted by the traditional luxury values. It's an entirely new consumer base who are excited by the digitally native future. And therefore, instead of trying to mirror or mimic traditional luxury values, it's really having our own values. And I think that luxury brands are going to have to come to us and we're definitive of kind of you know, the future and the direction that the world is going, as well as, you know, quite frankly, the direction I'd like to see it go.
What's the, I mean, you teased it a little bit, but the, what is the direction you'd like to see it go from somebody who is, uh, you know, so, I mean, honestly, you're a leader and a pioneer in this space. Like, what, what do you hope to see? Thank you. I mean, that, that really, really means a lot to me. Um, so I think my main thing is, so growing up, the reason that I didn't end up going into fashion when I was younger was the fact that I've always been very excited by young designers and independent brands and people who are really pioneering in terms of their creativity. And I looked to the fashion industry and, you know, this was like 10, 15 years ago, and it was shifting from the space when you had these like, you know, up and coming designers, you know, working out of basements and then, you know, coming up at fashion weeks in London, all of that kind of thing, to a world where it was increasingly homogenized and brand based. And you had all of these moats and barriers to entry, be it the cost of production and the necessity to get things on celebrities and appeal to a traditional fashion Illuminati. And I was like, this isn't an industry that I'm particularly, you know, aligned with from an ethos perspective. I also don't just want to be a consumer who's buying, you know, the latest Louis Vuitton bag and just like falling prey to consistent marketing. I want to see actual creativity and, you know, cool young people coming up, not having to have millions of dollars in budget. And so for me, digital fashion was so exciting because instead of having to confine yourself to, you know, working for a trad luxury brand who was just, you know, rolling out the same product, you could, for a very low cost, little more than the cost of a computer, create these new clothes, use AR or use virtual render to get them on influencers or celebrities who could be on the other side of the world. So you don't have to be in Paris or London or New York. And then build yourself up as a digital brand with none of those confines. And so for me, you know, the future that I'd like to see in this space is first of all, a future of a way more accessibility for creators. Also people who are, I would say more kind of tech focus and intellectualizing the industry. So it's, you know, we've had this stigma for years that fashion is like relatively vapid and it's an aesthetics based industry. It's always going to be to a degree. It's never going to be us curing cancer. But I think there are so many interesting intellectual artistic things that can be done in the space. And so in a similar way that we've seen to Jen Art, bringing more tech people in or people who are thinking about this or not coming from traditional backgrounds and coming at it at different ways. And then I think the final thing is more accessibility around who can actually be a wearer or who can be an experience of these pieces. So, you know, again, with trad fashion, you have garments for thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars and the average consumer can hope to maybe buy a perfume bottle. And I think something interesting that we're thinking about at Drop is how do you both maintain exclusivity, and maybe exclusivity in price or things being expensive to a degree, but things also being able to be worn and experienced in other ways. So, you know, we're looking at rental protocols, for example. So G, who I'm so happy to say is one of our collectors, you know, he collected one of our grill pieces, one of our coats, which I'm sure would be out of price range for quite a lot of people. But G could hypothetically have that in his wallet and using a rental protocol, you know, for let's say, you know, $20 a week, you could have a 17-year-old Instagram influencer wearing it. So I think with digital technologies, there are all of these ways to actually maintain exclusivity, but also facilitate accessibility that I think is super exciting. 
Oh, this is, this is brilliant. And you're explaining this so eloquently. And I'm only slightly upset because I had, while well, you were talking, this idea of like, oh, I wonder if there could be a rent the runway for digital goods. But of course, you've thought of it before. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think you're right. There's the, really a lot of interesting things that you can do with the digital that are very, very difficult to do with the physical. And it opens up all sorts of new experiences and opportunities. And, you know, I, I wanted to ask you, G, as well. Um, you know, what, what do you hope for the future of the space from either the digital side as Danny was talking about, but also the physical side, because I think, you know, you have done such a, again, a, a magnificent job of engaging the community aspect of it with the PO apps. And, uh, even, you know, I had the, the luck to mint one of the iteration twos and that in real life experience of minting and, you know, minting it live, which I didn't think was possible with fashion, you know, where do you see the physical side of this going? Uh, however you want to take that uh, and the digital, if you have any thoughts on that. Um, yeah, so I would say that, you know, in terms of the digital, uh, the physical side, I think that it really is the function of our imagination, right? And uh, how much that capacity is hindered by whatever the manufacturing process is, right? And so I'll use the iteration two drop, which is where Snowfro and I were talking about, and we were talking about this for a while, of what, what does it look like to, ha to have generative clothes in real life, right? To have generative anything in real life. And, you know, the, the reason why we had to do uh, a T-shirt for that drop was because the current manufacturing technology only – uh, exists to really be able to do something of high quality on a t-shirt at the moment, right? Like we wouldn't be able to do a pair of custom sneakers or uh, a wallet or whatever have you. It just, it just wasn't feasible um, with the tech. So I think that one of the cool and interesting things is I think we're going to be pushing the boundaries of what does mass customization look like? Very similarly to, you know, I can, Jared, I can relate to your PFP picture, right? Because I also own squiggles, right? But um, I know that my squiggle, my squiggles are different uh, than yours, but we're still part of that same collection, right? And that's kind of what we've seen with iteration two, where, you know, you people, I think people know for the most part is like when they see that, they're like, oh, that's the iteration two shirt. But then there, it's almost like this small subgroup within the group, right? For the same reason that uh, somebody that doesn't know anything about squiggles might see yours and they might see mine and they're like, oh, yeah, like those things look similar. But the people that really know know that you have a bold, right? And that that one is more rare than, you know, my floor. And so we've kind of seen that as well with the iteration two drop where – you know, somebody is wearing a hyper or, you know, a hyper pipe or, you know, something special, a bold, and that's like a flex, right? It's like you're actually wearing that shirt out, right? It's like the same as, you know, if you know, you know type of thing where if somebody's wearing an expensive watch, the people that know, the people that they want to know will know, right? And it sends that signal. And I think that that has been some of the interesting stuff that, uh, we've been playing with in the physical world. I, I think in the digital world, I, I, I fully agree with pretty much everything that Danny has said up until this point. And I, I just think it, it becomes a matter of adoption and how that plays out. 
and just kind of waiting on both fronts, both within, let's say, the metaverse space online, but also the manufacturing process in the real world of the tech really catching up to the human imagination. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And uh, I remember seeing the mints come out of those iteration twos and the one right before me and the one right after me were rare. I think they were like a rib, they were slinky. And I got a really nice normal, so I'm not complaining, but I was like, oh man, I, I missed it. <laughs> and so, and, and this was with your iteration three, the hats. I mean, this was more apparent, right? There were a few hats that were uh, pink and, and I figured all the variations, but uh, certainly incorporating that was, I think, brilliant. And, I, you know, I just had a super quick follow-up question for you, G, with the, the, the way that you incorporate the POAPs into the, the fashion. Would you ever, uh, you know, do you think that any fashion brands would incorporate that, you know, that same POAP mechanism? I don't know if you would even want to, right? But, like, say a, a, a traditional fashion brand you know, we've seen Nike dip their toes into uh, digital NFTs, probably not quite digital fashion, but do you think that would uh, ever transpire? Is that something that you'd ever want to do with 90CC? Um, let me get you back up here. So have that, that, that POAP incorporation, um, if, you know, even if you're not controlling the whole process of the fashion. I dropped. So if that question was for me, I, I missed the majority of it. Uh, yeah, sorry. I was just asking, like, one of the things I really enjoyed about or enjoy about the iterations that you've created is the, the POAP mechanism. And uh, I know we were talking about how adoption is a little bit slow from traditional fashion and traditional brands. But, you know, is that something that you would ever consider doing is allowing the traditional brand to incorporate the POAP and spread that community of the 90cc community or is that something that you know you've thought about before yeah so i would say that you know issuing poafs from garments isn't something proprietary to us i think one of the things that uh has been and i you know i've been having a lot of these conversations with a lot of brands and i think one of the things that um especially as we get more and more product out there that becomes more and more defensible is the community that we built is one, we've built people that have enjoyed this gamification and that like being part of it. But then two is that, you know, we as a team are really focused on engaging with that community, right? So like I'll take, for instance, um, we do a weekly word guess game where you can earn network points, right? And so the only way you can play is by tapping the physical product within a, a window that um, started at 12 hours and it, it keeps getting, that window keeps getting smaller and smaller each and every week. And we keep our community engaged, right? And so, and that's like, you know, we, and that's just like one example of like the many things that, you know, we think about and as new things develop, we're like, how can we possibly integrate this into, into our framework? And I think because we are so focused and so uh, crypto native, that gives us a huge advantage. Whereas, a, you know, any organization that's bigger than ours can sit there and be like, oh, we want to utilize this, but they need to get approvals from their higher ups. They need to get approvals, um, you know, to make sure that they can they can do it and we can move very quickly. So I, I think, you know, 
I see a lot of, I have a lot of conversations of people saying that they want to tap into what we're doing. And I think uh, up until this point, to be, I'll be on, totally honest, is it's been a lot of proof of concept of saying, okay, I think this is cool. Maybe, hopefully other people think it's cool. And if they didn't think it was cool, then I would have gone back to the drawing board, right? But, um, you know, luckily people have enjoyed what we've been doing. And, you know, we have conversations about this even internally within the community on a weekly basis where um, we get together every Friday and, you know, we we shoot the shit and we we catch up. And, you know, sometimes we talk about the community. Sometimes we talk about fashion. Sometimes we talk about um, whatever, whatever, something, something in the space or just something totally outside of the space and like health and wellness and stuff like that. So I think that what we've been able to tap into is something really special um, that I think it, it can be, I think it's, it's, can be easily copied, but not easily replicated, if that makes sense, right? In in that, um, you know, I it, it was a lot of work and a lot of forethought that went into, I think, getting the community to where it is today. And, you know, thankfully, like, the community has provided, like, amazing feedback and been amazing ambassadors for the brand itself. And, you know, I think what we're, what we build, what we've been building has been really special that I think will be paving the the way for what community building in fashion and outside of fashion starts to look like over the next few years. No, that makes perfect sense. And I think that's a really smart approach to make sure that the community comes first. And if you do partner with anybody, they are able to live up to that community experience that you want to deliver to both your existing members and anybody new who comes in. And uh, that kind of goes back to your earlier point of really, you know, gamifying things for the community and not for any sort of a financial gain or anything like that. And, uh, you know, I, I want to switch gears a tiny bit because, uh, you know, we had asked a question about generative art and uh, how you all had both incorporated generative art into your fashion, IRL and digital. And uh, my, my question around this is it, it seems like it would be difficult to, to do this. And for anybody who wasn't there for iteration two, I know I keep talking about it, but it was so cool because they, you had these massive machines uh, behind a, a see-through wall, which was great. So you could you know, us collectors could see what was happening, but you were literally printing on the shirts at in real in real time there. And uh, you know, Danny, I know you were talking about really, and there's so much thought. We covered it in our podcast, but the thought that went into scene on screen, uh, your Nicholas Sassoon project, and uh, how it wasn't just about generative art, but you are also really. Um, I'm sorry, I'm going to probably butcher the pronunciation, but you were really leaning into the moiré uh, technique of that fashion. And I was wondering if you could each speak to the challenges of uh, really incorporating generative art into the fashion. Uh, perhaps you could go first, G, with the IRL and then Danny. I'd love to just hear how you approach those challenges and, uh, you know, with the context that you both did it in an extremely thoughtful way. Yeah, so I guess with regards to iteration to uh, there were just a lot of points of potential failure, right? Where uh, one, you know, just the minting of the NFT itself, 
the linking of the NFT to the NFC chip, right? I, and I think that to me is probably probably why we haven't seen, uh, let's say, mass customization just yet is because it is significantly uh, more labor intensive than, you know, just setting one design and printing it a thousand times. That is, that's significantly less labor intensive. So I think what we're going to see is probably productivity gains uh, in stuff like that over the next few years. And probably the rise of AI uh, is definitely going to help with things like this is I think we're already, everybody probably here is, has benefited from utilizing AI in some form or process in their workflow. And I think it's only a matter of time till it starts uh, moving over to, let's say, the factory floor. Uh, and I think that that to me was was probably the hardest part, right? And that's why, again, why we, we had to go with a t-shirt for that drop as opposed to maybe something that could have been a different object. It just wasn't physically feasible to be able to do things that were mass customized uh, in a time frame that was, you know, maybe 10 minutes or less from the moment that, you know, somebody walked in there, hit the mint button and got a product in their hand. Um, and these were all like considerations, right? Is like, how do you, um, and this is where I think a lot of creativity comes into place, especially in fashion that I think gets discounted a lot is I think if anybody was given a unlimited budget, anybody would be able to do anything, right? And I think a lot of where creativity comes in is given a limited budget and limited resources, what kind of experience and what kind of product can you produce in a certain time frame? Because um, the fact of the matter is we live in a world where, you know, you don't have unlimited uh, budget to do whatever it is that you want. And that creativity really shines through when, you know, you can create this experience and create this product with those, you know, limited budgets and um, those experiences that people don't forget. So, I'd say that from from our perspective, when we did that drop, that was probably um, it was it was technically hard, and the fact that it looked so easy is a huge credit to the team. Um, you know, there was there was only, we were up for forty hours and down for twelve minutes over the course of those uh, those five days that we did the pop up. So uh, overall, like it was a really awesome and smooth event, and but the, it wasn't it wasn't because it wasn't technically challenging. I mean, as somebody who minted, I think it was exactly as has already been alluded to. I think it was like a really amazing experience. And I think also, G, I spoke um, on a, one of G's Admit One um, you know, Discord spaces recently. And I think I sent a message saying this to G afterwards, but really just the community and the people who show up and the people who speak every week. And the fact that people speak every week and the fact that so many people show up and you have genuinely this feeling of community, I think it really can't be overstated because it's very easy to have flippers. It's very hard to have people who care enough about what you're building or find alignment in the product and others enough to show up with that frequency and with that enthusiasm. So big props to G kind of on that. Um, I think generative from my side. So we we work generatively, I would say, in two ways. The first way is in terms of actually, you know, the underlying systems. So, you know, exactly as I said, our collections are fully generative and they're split between 
what I would call more more consistent traits. So, you know, in every single collection, elements like the colour, like the print, like the material will be established at time of mint. And they are both, let's say, art native. So obviously colour palettes you'd have on an artwork and then also fashion native. So things that are unique to having a 3D garment. And then we have separately these artist traits. And so every single collection that we create, as I said, is in collaboration with a digital artist. Important here is they don't have to be generative, but, you know, digital is important to us, especially at the moment. And that artist designs a component of the collection with us, as well as, you know, we co-design the theme or the story that we're telling. And quite an early part of that process is thinking about specifically also what traits the artists wants to integrate into the collection that's unique to their work. So our first collection, which we dropped a couple of weeks ago, was with Nicholas Sassoon. Nicholas is an incredible digital artist who's been working with pixel patterns for over 15 years now. And for Nicholas, it was both, you know, the idea of these pixel patterns, which are Moiré prints. And so Moiré is this optical effect, which is created when two pieces are layered over one another to create a third pattern. So, you know, you might be used to seeing it on your screen when your computer is at a certain angle and it creates this kind of strange third digital image. But fascinatingly, they originated on clothes and textiles themselves and now are most common on on on-screen textiles, which is crazy. So you have a news anchor being told like, hey, don't wear houndstooth print because it's going to create a moiré pattern. So... Nicholas created these proprietary Moiré patterns for us, so these layers which generatively are combined to create these prints. And so we have six or so layers, and so you can have, as one of your generative traits, what's the combination of the two layers. But then also these traits which are to do with how far are the two layers away from one another, what angle are they shown at, And those all contribute to the creation of the Moiré print. So how big your Moiré print is, how small the way that it interacts when you have it in your drop virtual wardrobe as a 3D object. So Moiré was one of the, you know, really crucial artist native generative traits that we put in. But then I think what's interesting is one of the other ones that we put in was actually not to do with Moiré, but actually the garment composition that complemented it. So when we first came to Nicholas in, I think it was actually as far back as December, with our first round of designs, we were experimenting with all the different ways that we could integrate generative traits and kind of 3D projection mapping into the designs. And they were quite complicated. They were quite sculptural and quite curvy and whatever. And he actually came back to us and said, you know, these look really cool. But I've actually realized that my designs look best on surfaces that are like planes. And so we ended up being very inspired together by this idea of origami and the idea of folds. So our whole collection is actually composed of different folds. So we have five garments in the collection, a hat, a top, some pants, a coat, um, and hat, pants, coat... Oh, and obviously on on top. And the way that the idea of folds manifests across the garments, so the actual, you know, seed is consistent, but 
What it might look like on the top is the amount of panels. On the hat, it's like the amount of folds and they look crazy. On the pants, it's the amount of pockets. Oh, we also have, and on the dresses, it's to do with the amount of folds in the skirt. And so with every artist, we're not only working with them to create traits around their element, so the moiré, we're also going to integrate another garment-based trait, which is specific to them and their work, which I think is hopefully quite interesting. I love uh, Nick Sassoon's stuff, and I think it's a, a very logical uh, application in, in this digital space. I think it's something that like, not only telegraphs uh, beautifully, but will, has the, the potential to age extremely well. Uh, I think it's a, a very good job. I'm, I'm really, really, I mean, G hit on it earlier. I'm obviously a Squiggle fan, so the Iteration 2 was amazing. I wear my Iteration 3 uh, all day, every day. And then the the Sassoon Club's amazing. Those are those are big names. I think one of the questions that, Danny, you, you touched on earlier was about lowering a barrier to entry. I guess, what, if any, are you guys, uh, either of you two, working on to, to onboard uh, maybe new, lesser-known artists and um, maybe provide opportunities for... Because you guys hold such large platforms. Um, it's really admirable. Like... Are there any plans to to provide opportunities for others, maybe with lesser known names? I um, think for us, do you go? You can go first. So I think for us, it's 100%. So, you know, the original plan for Drop as a wider platform was the idea that it would have three elements. The first being this curated retail space, which was not just our own brand, but other designers who are working to our standard. And that has nothing to do with how many followers they have on Twitter or the community or anything. It's just to do with, are they treating code as the couture and are they craft-based and would be would we be really proud to share their story? Um, and then we have a virtual wardrobe that we're building out. So if you have a drop piece right now, you can view your item to the highest fidelity. You can interact with it as a 3D object. You can view its traits and learn more about it. And in time, you'll be able to wear it across various platforms. Um, what ended up happening was, quite frankly, we didn't see a ton of other brands out there that were really treating code as the couture. And so we made this conscious decision to begin by building out Drop and the, the label pronounced Drop as this kind of exemplary idea of what code as a couture means. And so, you know, in terms of this idea of accessibility, first of all, yes, obviously we've come out the gate with a big name artist, but in terms of droppers and pronounced droppers a brand, I just want to work with people who are incredibly talented and doing interesting things. And I think if you start by coming out the gate with a couple of artists who are really well known for their digital craft and maybe have slightly bigger names, then when you turn around and work with a lesser-known artist, in people's heads, it immediately elevates that artist and people go, oh, oh, this person, as well as Nicholas Sassoon, they must be X, Y, Z, even if they don't have maybe the history or clout that Nicholas had. So one of the ways that I see us increasing accessibility is 100% as a brand working with these younger artists. And then as a fashion, a digital fashion platform, in the next like year, two years, once we've really started to allow people to understand what code as a control means, 
beginning to bring on other digital fashion companies that are using code as the couture, regardless of their size, and really giving them the same access to collectors and storytelling abilities that we're trying to give to our own collections, which hopefully will end up really expanding the space and increasing the accessibility of it. That's amazing. You guys are you know, definitely creating the platforms of the future for this and, and to be able to advocate for for everyone in the space and, and the creators. I truly do believe that both of you are going to give an opportunity to somebody that is going to leverage them into something far greater than they ever imagined. So, uh, gee, I, I know you wanted to speak to it, but I, I definitely want to take a moment to, to give you kudos because you're both doing some amazing work and I can't wait to, to follow up and have another one of these uh, spaces and and to reflect on on just what you've meant for the space. It, anybody who's attentive enough can can see it and they know what's coming. I, I I really truly believe that. But I'll hop off my soapbox. G, do you have any any additional things you wanted to, to yeah. add to that? I I think Danny uh, really hit the nail on the head. Right. I think what what I've been doing with 90CC for the most part is making sure to establish the brand in its own right. Uh, you know, like we, we have an amazing collaboration with Snowfro already, um, even, you know, with the pins that we designed for uh, the, the NYC treasure hunt, right? Like they were designed by Snuffy, who is an amazing tattoo artist, probably not as well known within the NFT space but an amazing artist in his own right, right? And I think that that's like a small example of uh, you using my platform to also give a loud voice to to other people um, that may not have the same size platform uh, within the NFT space and to kind of shine a light on them. Like, and, you know, uh, being able to provide those opportunities to other artists, I think is is really special. And when when I look at probably like almost what the role is of 90cc down the roll down the road and and myself is it's almost like being almost like a creative producer right of like making sure to find the right mix and the right partners and to create like amazing products and experiences for people uh but we're still in the really really early innings of all of this right and so part of it is making sure we tell the story in the right way making sure uh the community understands what we're doing and i, I listen i also understand that I have a lot of work to do on on the education side still and and streamlining that process, right, of what, you know, I think in order to be really partake in the 90cc community, you have to be super, super crypto native right now. And how how can we make it uh, a much lighter lift so that when you're sitting at home at Thanksgiving dinner, or I guess 4th of July, let's say, because that's coming sooner, or Memorial Day, right? Because that's coming even sooner. So let's say you're out with your family and your friends Memorial Day weekend, and you're wearing your hat, and somebody says, you know, oh, I like it or whatever, and you're like, hey, you want a free NFT, and, you know, you just onboard, you just onboarded somebody, and maybe, maybe they do something with it, maybe they don't, but at the very least, it changes their perception of what the tech actually is and how maybe useful it is outside of being just uh, an overpriced picture of uh, an insert animal here, right? And so I think that that really starts to to lead to a paradigm shift over time. So, you know, th- those are probably the two things that I'm really focused on is how can I use my platform to elevate other voices, but then also how can I also use my platform to increase adoption overall? 
Well, I, I I love to hear it. I mean, you're both so incredibly thoughtful about this, both so committed to the space and both playing the long game, which we love to see, especially, uh, you know, it's, it's really nice to hear in the depths of a bear market here to see leaders like you all carving the path. And uh, I know you have a lot of uh, really fantastic long-term missions here, but the last question we wanted to ask you is what what's next for Drop and 9DCC? Anything you can uh, tease to some folks? Anything about Iteration 4 that we could know about? Um, but, uh, you know, jokes aside, just uh, anything that you want to talk about that you all have coming out, we'd love to give you the platform and share uh, anything exciting coming up. Maybe G, you could go first, then Danny. Oh man, I have I have no alpha to drop at the moment. Iteration four, we're planning uh, a mid to late summer drop, and uh, really really excited about it. Um, hopefully, we we can start sharing some more information pretty soon. But um, really excited for for what's to come. And you know, we've been planning the back half of the year, and and even at this point, things into next year. Uh, and and yeah, it's I think it's we're just working on some really exciting stuff. So. Uh, I'll hopefully have more stuff to share pretty soon. Iteration four sounds so exciting. Um, maybe, gee, I'm really hoping it's like pants or sneakers so I can get closer to wearing all of my items at once, like doing like a full set or like a leather jacket. That would be kind of quite sick. Um, and then, gee, what were you going to say? I mean, I, you and me both, I, I'd love I'd love. <laughs> To the full, I, I want. I want personally myself. I want to be dressed head to toe in 90cc uh, sooner rather than later. But you know, the physics, the laws of physics uh, make it uh, probably a little bit longer than than I'd want that to be. But uh, it's going to be a new product category for sure. I think there's also, and this is. Oh, sorry, Dar, go ahead. I was just going to make a joke. Maybe if you have iterations one through four, you get an iteration four point two for the for the culture. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, we'll, we'll consider that. 4.2. Um, I also think, and gee, this is not a collection. This is a, definitely a conversation for another time. But I think what you've done, which I think is very interesting, but also quite hard, is you're designing a unisex brand, which means, A, you know, sizing is really tough, but also it's like having both like innovation and design, but also that variability. So stuff can be unisex, I think is a really interesting challenge. And we're kind of doing the same digitally to some degree, like we didn't want to alienate people, but I think it's, yeah, it's a very interesting point. It's like, especially when you can only create in these limited quantities, like how do you prioritize and how do you think about it? Was that a question or was that just a statement? I think it was both. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think these are these are all conversations that we have every single time, right? And it, with regards to anything that we do, is it's you know what is the cost benefit analysis of us doing anything, uh, right? Because obviously we gave away iteration three for free, and it, the cost was definitely non-zero to us uh, as a team. But I just felt like it was important to do at this point in time to really. Uh, just one, create some brand awareness, create some virality, create some hype around the brand. And, you know, I think we've, I've been, I've been really happy with the results, but also understanding that when you're dealing with physical products in the real world, that, you know, not everything is going to be for free. So 
um, you know, the, and, and just tempering expectations to that, right? So, but uh, it's been a fun process uh, the entire way so far. Completely. And I think the creativity breeds constraint, the constraints breed creativity thing is something that I think about a lot as well. Um, in terms of drop, so something that I can say alpha wise is we have something very exciting coming out in two weeks. Um, it's with Zora. There will be more information coming out around it very, very soon. And I can't say this, you know, for sure, but I think if you are a holder of a drop or any drop pieces from the Nicholas Assume collab, you will be, you know, you will have some type of involvement in that, definitely. Um, and what I'm really hoping, you know, and I think this will become apparent when we fully launch and show what what this this kind of this new add-on is, is that what we're really trying to do as a brand, and this speaks again to the accessibility, is in a similar way that you see with a fashion brand, you have like the Haute Couture, Haute Couture line, which for me was really those, you know, we sold eight grail pieces to a bunch of incredible collectors and, you know, they were priced in ETH and they were pre-sold and you had to actually be invited to participate in the sale. And, you know, that was really our Haute Couture and they were selected short form with Nicholas. We've then, you know, a couple of weeks ago dropped what I see more as our like Pret-a-Porter collection so that in fashion is ready to wear, they're high priced pieces, they're exclusive, you know, there were only 600 or so of them across these garment types. And then this final element that you'll see what it is, is really hammering in this idea of accessibility. So maybe you don't have the capital to have an haute couture piece or a pret-a-porter piece, but how can we still get people to participate in a way that is exciting and dynamic? Um, and I really like, you know, when this drop, drop is fully concluded, which will be in June, so we will have really shown, you know, these are the components of the drop. I hope it, this is going to be the model that we then mimic for our bigger collections with this full accessibility spread with these different dynamic elements that, you know, allow you to interact with the NFT in different ways. So we'll announce it very, very soon, but we have some really um, exciting stuff, in my opinion, coming. Fantastic. Well, we, we can't wait to hear more about it. We can't wait to hear more about everything going on at 9DCC as well. And we just wanted to say thank you both again for your time. I know you're incredibly busy, jet lagged, all of the above. So really, really appreciate you coming and sharing with the with our community and, and everything you've done so far. And this is a conversation that I'd love to revisit sometime in the, the not too distant future because I, I just feel like both of you are pioneering so much and in a space that moves so quickly, uh, you know, I really look forward to, to follow-ups and, and following both of you as we do closely. So congrats on everything you're doing. Congrats on pushing the space as much as you have. Uh, you guys really are thought leaders in the space and, and leading by example. So thank you for everything you're doing. Thank you. Thank you for uh, taking the time to have us on the show. And uh, yeah, looking forward to chatting again pretty soon. Thank you so, so much. All right. Well, we'll wrap it up. Thanks, everybody, for listening now and later. Uh, thanks once again to G and Danny. And we hope everybody has a great rest of their day. And get some fashion. Get your fashion on.
Thank you for tuning into Collector's Corner. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen. If you like this episode and want to help us out, please subscribe and leave us a review on your podcasting platform of choice like Apple Podcasts and Spotify and follow us on YouTube. Please also follow us on Twitter for announcements as we expand to other social and content platforms. Our Twitter handle is at collectors underscore XYZ. We'd also love to hear any feedback you have. So please comment or reach out. We're always striving to be more useful and get better so we can help you in your collecting journey. The Collector's Corner team and their guests are not registered investment advisors. All views expressed on this podcast are personal opinions and are not specific inducements to make particular investments or investment strategies and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. This show is solely for informational and entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, please consult a professional.